Care so, fuck yes, Jonathan Hardesty. I'm here. Chewy Darso. Hi. Uh, Emma Blake's not here, but Sam Garrison is. Hello. Uh, hi, everybody. I said that as fast as I could. Uh, special guest this week, we have Antonio Lopez. Oh, hello. Hi, Antonio. Hi. Uh, really quick, do you have anything you'd like to plug or say go check this thing out or anything like that before we move into where you've been doing? Uh, well, I'm going to kind of combo that because uh, I'm going to say go check out my company, Shout Factory, which if you've never heard of them, you should have because we do all sorts of amazing cult and classic movies and TV shows ranging from like classic sitcoms like Mr. Ed, uh, cult horror from the 70s, 80s, a lot of John Carpenter. So check us out. We got all sorts of great stuff. Let's like you review them or what do you do? No, we're a, we're a manufacturer, distributor, oh. production company. Okay. So we put them out in like collector's editions, do tons of special features and interviews, all sorts of good stuff. I was just about to say, I'm sure if you're a fan of pulp culture, you've heard of Shout Factory, but then I was proven wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not one of those people that pay attention to distributors. See, we use these magical things called discs that go in machines. Yeah. <laughs> what? I know. Are they divved? They are. Blurry. <laughs> they are one of the things that we look at in our kid's nursery and go, he's going to start pulling all those out and throwing them around. Yeah. I can but attest we to have that. no place to put them. Well, when net neutrality is gone, you'll be happy to have these discs because yeah. your streaming services will be throttled. Yeah. So I should buy Black Panther on Blu-ray and not just digitally. Thanks, Antonio. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> Even though I had nothing to do with that movie. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Literally just told him we can buy it digitally for cheaper yesterday. Mm. But mm. I want to buy it on disc. Okay. Sure, yeah. I'm yeah. helping Antonio. I Yay. know you didn't work on it, but I'm helping Antonio. Yes. <laughs> Tell that to our baby. I will. <laughs> It'll mean nothing to him, physical but I will. Physical media forever. Exactly. Actually, uh, home physical media for home entertainment is going to be incredibly valuable to you as a parent. I know because yeah. I make special features on children's <laughs> discs. <laughs> I've been looking for the uh, Disney movies at thrift stores on DVD, but apparently people don't get rid of them. No, no, no. no. You don't get rid of those. No. You get rid of the old VHSs, though. Which oh, yeah, we, yeah. I can buy. Those. We have a VHS player. We do. Or a VCR, as they're normally called. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can school me on that. I got to get my wins where I can. Uh-huh. Um, all right, we'll do a quick where have you been doing. I will go first. I watched Neighbors 2, everyone's Ooh. most anticipated sequel to the very well-received Neighbors. Uh, I watched it while cooking dinner because I needed something on in the background, and I figured that was the best way to watch it. Uh, it was fine. Like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I did cards on the table. I did watch half of it in theaters, and then I had somebody threaten to fight me when they wouldn't stop playing music on their phone, and I said, well, fuck this, I'm leaving. He and was I... a drunk bro wearing a mud hat and camo vest in a Burbank movie theater. Yeah, it was real weird, and he got real mad at me and i went and got the like security and they're just like yeah we're not gonna do anything and i'm like all right then i'm just gonna leave give me my money back and i'm out of here so it took me now till yesterday to finally watch the rest of neighbors 2 and it, yeah it's fine <laughs> oh that's sad yeah right it's so <laughs> sad that you waited that long with that story to be like it's fine yeah it's okay i like seth rogan and zach efron together like i would i would totally watch them make out and that's entirely what i mean when i say i like them together um you ship them oh ryan i was completely right when we were talking about how it's trying to be female empowering, but kind of misses the mark. Oh. Here is the list of people who wrote Neighbors 2. Andrew. Andrew. Brandon. Brandon. Nicholas. Evan. Seth. Yeah, they, that is a, they're all about that female empowerment. Yeah, <laughs> trying to write a thing about a uh, female sorority. Oof. <laughs> so if it misses the mark. I thought you could only get white bread in, store, in grocery stores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was, uh, there are some really good jokes in there, and there's some really funny moments, and the chemistry of the cast is, like, undeniably good, but it, it just, the magic wasn't there. After. The first one was surprisingly good, this one was surprisingly mediocre, oh. and I hear they're not doing a third one, which is fine. The first one they wrote about a fraternity makes more sense. Yeah, they, they get that. Yeah. Those frat boys definitely get that frat story. Yeah. Um, and the other frat one had, life. Yeah. The other one just had, like, it just had better characters. It said everything better. So if you haven't seen it, don't bother. But if you really, really want to see it, still don't bother. Uh, that's it for me, though. Get it on that blurry. I have been diligently chipping away at our child's room. Uh, I filed our ca filing cabinet which was oddly satisfying because it's no longer just a giant eyesore. And while I was doing that, I've been rewatching um, 
How I Met Your Mother. And my rage about how <laughs> Barney and Robin get divorced and Robin and Ted end up together is still strong. It is such a cheat. It's like so disappointing for a show that we all got so invested in all the characters, even though a lot of them have shitty qualities, especially Barney. And he got his happy ending, and then you changed it, and then... It's just so, like, I, I understand sometimes when a writer and a creator have an idea at the very beginning of a show, and then, what was it, ten years later? Nine. Eight? I don't nine. remember. Nine? Nine years later, I'm sorry, but what you wrote took you in a different direction. You shouldn't try to retcon that in the last season to still get the same ending you wanted at the beginning of the show. It's just such an example of you created something great, it grew beyond your original intentions, and you need to be able to handle that. Yeah, let your wisdom from the, all those years yeah. dictate how the story like goes. Like but they already shot the kids going, oh, you love Robin. They shot it nine years ago. Yeah, they, just they get them back and put a lot of young makeup and skin smoother on them and reshoot it. <laughs> they should have shot different options yeah. if they if they if they even had an inkling that things might change. It's just so like because yeah, you watch you finish that show and the fact that the idea of Ted getting together with Robin after he got to knock up the other woman a couple times is just <laughs> insulting. <laughs> It really is. Yeah. He's yeah, destined is. to be this one woman, but first he needed an incubator beforehand. It's just like, fuck you. So Ted would like Handmaid's Tale is what you're saying? Kind of. <laughs> Sam, sure. what about you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the message at the end of that show. It's so frustrating. It is, yeah. We're not disagreeing with you. I kind of stole the incubator thing from my friend Elizabeth, who's been on this before. She made that line after the show finished. So I credit where credit's credit. Due. Yeah. Uh, all right, Sam. What about you? I saw Deadpool too. I am not going to say more than. Well, I'm going to say one more thing. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, I think I liked it even better than the first, and I liked the first quite a lot. Uh, so go see it. Don't read anything about it beforehand because it it's just one surprise after another. I look forward to watching it tomorrow afternoon. I really like look forward to finding out who the real villain is. We will find out together. <laughs> it's the people who made the trailers. <laughs> yeah. uh, John, what about you? Uh, so I watched a, a little movie on Netflix called Little Evil. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah, it was really fun. I, I, I'd only seen the Netflix trailer over and over again because Netflix does that. They know I like horror movies and I like comedies with horror in them. So they're like, you might like this. And uh had my brother Sam with me and we were... Like, let's watch it. And it was fun. It was funny, and I wasn't really expecting that, actually. It's Adam Scott, right? Adam Scott, yes. And his uh, deadpan delivery on, like, st his straight man is really funny in this. Adam Scott's and it's the guys funny. that directed Tucker and Dale. Oh, that's cool. Because the trailer doesn't look like it's going to be anything. And then I saw who made it, and I was like, oh, no, I have to give this a chance. And it's yeah, like, I missed that. So that's, that's good to know. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. It's, like, way better than you expect it to be. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Last but not least. Yes. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I thought you were going to say my name. Hello, Mr. Weatherman. Uh, hey, um, so um, I've been producing some projects for Shout Factory lately, and pretty much these projects have been what I've been watching yeah. <laughs> the last several months because that's all I have time for. Um, but I'm working on uh, the great classic underrated Disney show called Gravity Falls. Uh, if you have not seen Gravity Falls, you have to check it out. Uh, it is a great classic animated film. I'm sorry. It is a cult animated show uh, that is kind of like Twin Peaks for kids almost. That's kind of the best way to describe it for anyone who's never seen it. Of course, I hope you know what Twin Peaks is. Um, but it's just got great comedy, great animation, a great overarching mystery that goes throughout the entire series and has a very satisfying conclusion so if you haven't seen that i highly recommend it and when we put it out on blu-ray and dvd it's going to be packed full of bonus features so please do yourself a favor check it out when it comes out uh, the other thing i've been working on which is nearing completion is the <laughs> i'm very curious to see how you guys are going to react when i say this i've been working on mac and me Cool. <laughs> Dead silence. Everybody loves this movie. I don't remember it. Is that uh, the one with the alien? It is the one with I the never alien. Saw it's it. kind of the uh, what people call the E.T. ripoff that came out like six years after E.T. I was, um, and I remember going, how did they make a creepier looking alien than E.T.? 
That is very That's true. That's the one where they throw the kid in the wheelchair off the cliff, right? You are right. Yeah, okay. It's the one that it's the clip that Paul Rudd uses every time he goes That's into right, Conan yeah. uh, to intro a movie, and it's like, nope, it's this clip from Me that I'm just gonna do. But nice. um, you know, it, I've been rewatching it. I only remembered seeing it like several times as a kid. You know, I first watched it on one of those um, TVs that goes strapped to a cart in elementary school uh, on a VHS, and just rewatching it is just like. This movie's actually better than I remember, and the score is way better than this film deserves. It's like an early Alan Silvestri score, uh, and he'd only really done Back to the Future before that, so people are like, oh, wow, this score is really good. So anyway, there's going to be a lot of cool bonus features on it. Well, if you want to revisit that classic film, which I'm sure you do, please go check out <laughs> Mac and Me. I kind of look forward to seeing it again at some point, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I rented it at sight. Nobody's ever heard of Sight unless you're from Bettendorf, Iowa. Um, Even and, I haven't yeah. heard of Sight, and I lived across That's the what, river. You get from Rock Bettendorf. Islander. <laughs> Shout I out don't to even Iowa. remember the name of my local video store. We had Hogan's. Oh, I had a Hogan's, but oh. we went to Sight because I could walk there. We oh. had Vidiots. Does anybody know that? No. I like that name. It was really weird, and it was pretty cool. They had little viewing stations that you could either play video games or watch movies there if you wanted to watch it right there. Uh, we had a thing called Take-Two Video and I remember it mainly because... Did you always have to rent two movies? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the, deal, the deal was like two for something. Like two for two. Like they had a good deal like that. But I remember it because of seeing the original Star Wars widescreen on VHS before they get special editions. Mm. So before all those changes were made, I got to see it in widescreen on a smaller TV, which was pretty cool. Cool. I still have my full screen VHS, which I will never get rid of. Yeah. So do I, we. I, I remember it. trying to explain to old people the difference between full screen and widescreen when I worked at Barnes and Noble. They never really got it. I used to work uh, for a streaming company called Voodoo, and I had arguments with their engineers because they didn't understand that full screen didn't mean that the image took up the full screen. Yeah. No. Yes. And I was like, no, no, no. It's full screen because it's a box. Widescreen means it's wide, but it takes up the entire screen, so it's full. Oh, boy. <laughs> Well, technically, they're not wrong. Well, <laughs> if you just zoom in a little bit. And it's a terrible image, then. Oof. <laughs> what do they think pan and scan is, then? I don't think they know what pan and scan is. is Nobody that... should know what pan and scan is, and we should all forget it was ever part of our existence. It what was... was part of their existence? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fuck pan and scan. I'm taking a bold stance on this one. I think you'll find right? we all agree with you. Welcome to the fuck pan and scan podcast. <laughs> Where we spent an hour and a half dissing Pan and Scan. The movie I first remember Pan and Scan in was Multiplicity. Oh my god, I was going to say the same thing! <laughs> Holy shit, that's I, amazing! I honestly don't remember what this is. What, what are you going to about? I just remember about? it looking so unnatural. It looks what so bad. I so, as what I, was this? As I remember it, like they in the full screen, like on your TV... They would move the like they would scan over on the frame on a widescreen yeah. picture when there was two like when there was two things on different sides of the frame they would just scan over to it instead of editing it yeah so and it's a very weird thing it was a it was a way to try to get you the widescreen experience without having to have the two black bars and they would literally just scan the image over mid scene and it looked awful so yeah, unnatural yeah so don't unnatural. remember this at all <laughs> it's it's horrible when you see it. it. Is- crazy that we in multiplicity yeah <laughs> it's the same feeling that you get with those true tvs now with the true motion oh yeah it's yeah. that same exact motion that is in the pan everything scan. needs to look like a reality show right that's what i call that are you ready to do this yes all right five so, minutes right yeah so from this right. point on i'm letting sam oh. run the show she can dictate who goes first last next whatever and she gets run the timer and all of this is sam's world now it's <laughs> <laughs> all i've ever wanted um no, but seriously. Uh, so we're talking about dog movies today because I love dogs. That's actually why I asked Antonio to be on because we met at an animal shelter where we see each other every week. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, dog movies. Um, they're one of those things that like it's a genre that I wish was better <laughs> than it is because dogs are better than us. What do you mean? My movie's perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I think that's why we let Brian go first. <laughs> he's got the most at stake here, I think. He's got some interesting things in that movie. Oh so boy. can we just go around the table, though, and say like yeah. who everyone's movie is? I have Tim Allen's The Shaggy Dog. Okay. I have the American classic, <laughs> and there's no sarcasm, Beethoven. I had uh, Frankenweenie. And, and I have Turner and Hooch. Brian. 
Are you ready? Five minutes for why my movie is the best movie on the table? Yeah. Why is the Shaggy, the 2006 version of the Shaggy Dog starring <laughs> Tim Allen? I kept telling why him to do the original. Thank you. I love the original. Ready, set, go. Okay. So way long ago, they made a really shitty movie called The Shaggy Dog and nobody likes it. So it took somebody with vision and power and awesomeness to come back and go, Tim Allen, we need you to be the shaggy dog. Who else do we need in this marvelous film? We need somebody like, I don't know, he needs a comeback. How about Robert Downey Jr.? Hell yeah. Right before his actual comeback. So I guess that means this was his comeback. So you're welcome, world. Shaggy dog gave you Robert Downey Jr. Who else can we have in this thing? Uh, How about the one and only... Mr. Danny Glover? Yeah, I think he'd be great in this movie. And he is. Uh, and then everyone's favorite person from Sex and the City, Charlotte, right? Everyone's favorite was Charlotte? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> anyhow, so this movie is great for many, many reasons. Mostly, and if not only because, when you think of Tim Allen, what's the first thing you think of? Everybody say it with me now. Physical comedy, right? Uh, <laughs> everyone loves Tim Allen. Drugs! <laughs> Cocaine! Everyone loves Tim Allen's both his physical comedy and the fact that he was in Toy Story. And you get both of those in this movie. You get Tim Allen doing wonderful physical comedy when he's running on all fours like a dog. And it's hysterical. He's chasing a cat all throughout town. And it's funny. And it's great. And he uh, gets in front of Craig Gilborn's car. And he has to slam on the brakes. And his dog goes flying into the windshield and does the whole, like, poof, and then slides down the window thing. Always classic. Uh, forgot where I was going with that part. But uh, I got really just lost in the movie because it's so great. Um <laughs> Uh, anyhow, so moving on beyond that, this movie has such wonderful things in it, like teaching you that you need to be yourself. Uh, you need to stand up for animals' rights. You need to uh, trust your children and let them be who they want to be, not try to be who you want them to be. Like, for example, Tim Allen wants his son to be a star football player in the same position that he used to have. And unfortunately, the kid would rather just be in Greece. Side note, the kid looks exactly like friend of the show Elvis Kunish, and it drives me insane. Um, moving back to the show, though. So he just wants to be in Greece. He wants to be the star of Greece, and he's the best at it. And as a dog, he hears him talk about this horrible moment where he's like, I'm just not good at football, and he's going to make me quit football. Or he won't let me quit football unless I start flunking my classes. So I'm going to purposely flunk my classes so that I can go be in the musical, even though most high schools still wouldn't let you be in the musical if you're flunking classes, but whatever. Uh and as he hears this as a dog, he's just heartbroken because he's just not being a good dad. So he uses his dog powers to be a better dad and says, like, no, be who you want to be, son. And the kid's like, okay, cool. And then he goes off and bees that person. Um, and bees that person. Yep. <laughs> English. I speak as good. Uh, <laughs> um, the best thing in this movie, though, for me, will always be Robert Downey Jr. Because this is right before he got his comeback. So he's still kind of meh. Um, but he's really not phoning it in, and that's why he's as funny as he is in it. Like, partway through the movie, Tim Allen bites him, and if I kind of <laughs> breezed over this part, but Tim Allen turns into a dog because another dog bites him, and kind of like Spider-Man, he gets magical dog powers. Um... So at one point, Tim Allen then bites Robert Downey Jr. He don't seem to turn into a dog because they definitely leave that as an open door for the sequel, which we unfortunately never got. Um, but in this one, like, so you have Robert Downey Jr. trying to do these like really important court sequences and he keeps just kind of like growling and then Tim Allen gets him to go fetch. And it's just like if Tim Allen's physical comedy wasn't enough, you got Robert Downey Jr.'s, which is also fantastic. Um, how much time do I have left? One minute and 20 seconds. Oof. Uh... <laughs> A minute and 20 seconds to talk about the other great parts of Shaggy Dog. Um, what about, okay, what about this dog made, like, how how did getting a dog bite turn him into a dog? Like, go into the, the lore of this film. Oh, the lore of the film. So there's a dog that never dies. It's an immortal dog that lives in Tibet. Um, and they find, the Robert Downey Jr.'s company finds out about this dog and decides that they need this dog to discover the key to eternal life. So they bring the dog back, and while having that dog back, he gets out somehow. Because Tim Allen's daughter kind of helps. Yeah, see, exactly. Um, (laughs) Has nothing to do with Tim Allen's daughter, um, who shows up and lets him out somehow. Um, But while at home, the dog realizes that Tim Allen is the only person who can help him, but he can't help him as a man, so he chomps onto his hand, and now he's a dog man. Um, Mm -hmm. The science checks out. I looked into it on Dogopedia. where this is the best movie of all time. And the the biggest thing about this movie that we all really need to remember is the dog is really fucking cute. 
Like, he's really kind of squishy and adorable. Whenever Tim Allen needs to, like, get people over on his side, he does, like, the little rollover thing, and he just looks so cuddly and wiggly-wobbly, and hmm. he's awesome. Um, I'm going to forfeit the rest of my time. It's okay, you only had five seconds. All right, I got so many things to tear this movie down. Can we talk about whitewashing? There's no whitewashing uh, in this movie. Wait, okay, so, uh, let me just start the Let, let her start the timer. Okay. She's in control of this. You get five minutes to tear this movie about an immortal dog like this makes you all monsters <laughs> to tear down this movie about an immortal dog this is where i'm leaning right but now he's not immortal all right tell me when i can start <laughs> you can start okay so in an age where we're trying to be culturally sensitive well this is before then this is 2006 uh <laughs> we were tr- we were pretending to be culturally sensitive um we have a movie that begins in tibet and the dog is an English sheep herder dog hiding in Tibet. So it's the equivalent of a white man dog. And then later on, he needs help. So he bites a white man to save him. Because, so, you know, the only savior is a white man. And then you have this whole thing about how he's a bad father. And I'm like, no, his family just kind of sucks. His daughter's an idiot. She's using, she's literally manipulating her boyfriend into just giving her rides everywhere and doesn't seem to be interested in him actually. She's going to get a- She's 16! She wants to get a tramp stamp of a a protest group that she fell in love with because of her teacher, where she probably just has the hots for her teacher. He's Josh from Blair Witch. uh Everyone loves Josh from Blair Witch. And his son is just lying to him the whole time, saying he does like football. So it's not even the dad's fault that he's pressuring him into playing football because he thinks his son actually likes it. And and it's offensive to rats because when they animate the rats, they round out their faces and make their bellies fatter like hamsters, as if normal rats aren't cute by themselves. To be fair, those were rats that were being experimented on, so maybe it wasn't the movie animating them, maybe those were the dog rats and they're half dog, half rat. They say that the only difference with the rats is that the rats bark. Well, maybe they were wrong. Hmm. (laughs) What? And, yeah, <laughs> and it's not even movie, it's a movie about a dog, but it's about a man being a dog. Not really about the dog. The actual dog is just kind of in the background most of the time. I see nothing wrong with that. The The, the dog is the man. The man is the dog. He is the shaggy dog. Mm. Okay. There's, like, the Anyone whole else got anything? <laughs> but is he a man or is he a dog? Yes. Okay. So this might Flawless not movie. even be a dog movie. It's not it's really. It's totally a dog movie. You can't just say it's not a dog. Your whole movie is about a family where a dog shows up. That's uh, not saying that's no, not. No, there's a lot. Of, I'll get into you, mine. Yeah, we'll get to your movie too with robot dogs. Um, uh-huh. No, but least, like, does anyone else have any beef with this film? The CGI is awful. It yeah. was 2006. <laughs> okay, was but 2006, time. we had that point, we already Lord, had Lord of the, the Rings. Lord of the, yeah, and you <laughs> had the Matrix. How yeah. are you telling me that the CGI shouldn't be that good? How many dogs are in the Matrix and Lord of the Rings? Panting. Zero. This is How the, many creatures are in the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and really, isn't it cruel? There's wargs. Isn't it, Judge. Isn't it cruelty? There's, there's wargs. Like, you, you need to stop. <laughs> You're treading on thin ice here, yeah. buddy. Wargs of wolves, not dogs. Uh, definitely not shaggy dogs. And okay, but to be fair, like it's an English sheepdog, right? Yes. And there, he lived in Tibet. He's probably got a lot of like wolf adjacent DNA in his system. Mm. I'm just saying. There's I think lots a lot of shaggy dogs that are actually from that area that could have been in this movie. Oh, I know Tibetan mastiffs. And, yeah. And the like. <laughs> okay. Cousins to, to I, I like how, I like how you say like, oh, you know, we need Tim Allen for this. Like they approach Tim Allen, but. Are you talking about director Brian Robbins of Norbit and Meet Day thing? <laughs> yeah. Because this director does not, not have a good, good. track record. Not Are you trying to say is Norbit is an terrible. instant classic? Oh, I no. will say that immediately and every single time. Um, yeah, seriously, the way they try to depict Tim Allen being a bad father, I'm like, no, he just has a crap family. Because Tim, <laughs> Allen, is a, Tim Allen is a great dad, which we all know. From several seasons of Home Improvement? Nine yeah. seasons. I don't think so, Brian. Like, his wife <laughs> don't forget starts, Last Man Standing. His <laughs> wife is complaining he's not home enough. I'm like, she, he's a DA. A he's, si- he's not the DA yet. He's trying to be the he's DA. He's trying to be the, the DA. This is the prequel to the Shaggy DA, right? And he's the only one making an income. The and he's dog. in the middle of a very public case. Like, I'm sorry. At that moment, he of course he won't be home very much. 
unrealistic expectations for a family to have. Yeah. So we're all on Tim Allen's side. He's the best. I agree. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I rewatched. I'm so confused about a movie that's supposed to teach you life lessons. What exactly is this teaching? Tim, you, Tim Allen, Allen shouts to infinity and beyond as a dog while wearing a cape. No, I mean, does he really? Yes, he does. Why didn't you lead with that? I, I tried Immortal to bring it in Immortal dog. So Buzz this. Dog. It just reminds right? you that you should be watching a better movie. Yeah, like this. Stuff, Tim Allen has done two just... good things, which is the Toy Story trilogy. And Galaxy Quest. <laughs> and none of these things are that. They do say to infinity and beyond, so it's kind of Toy Story. My new friend is Antonio better. right here. <laughs> By referencing his past accomplishments, like, just... It's I, joyfully I, celebrating. Ten seconds. I will say I also watched rewatched the trailer last night because I hadn't seen this in a while, and they used the Baja Men song "Who Let the Dogs." I'm like, all right, well, it was in well, the trailer. Well, it's chasing after the cat. But yeah. it's actually in the movie too, yeah, and that Edward is an instant Dunn. fail. <laughs> That's true. That is comparing ugly women to dogs. Yes. We all know that dogs would be the cutest women. <laughs> anyway. So is it five minutes for all of us to rebuff this? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was purr. I was like, okay, I'll yeah. wait. No, that would be a long episode. <laughs> oh, that's why I didn't know. I was just Brian's just okay. swearing as, he, as he's editing it. Like, damn it. I need to streamline this. Yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> all right. Brian. Who goes next? Uh, Antonio just fist bumped. I let Antonio go. Oh no, I was pointing that way. No, I, I just saw the fist bump in the corner of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Antonio. Right. I will do my best here. I don't know what's going on here. Um, Turner and Hooch, ready? Wait till you hear my complaint about the rest of these movies. Okay. I kind of oh, want there no. to be a movie called Turner and Cooch. <laughs> Whoa, that's the is that porn, porn parody. I'm sure there already <laughs> is one. Let's do it. It's the sequel. I'm looking it up while he does his defense. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So right. we've instantly gone to bestiality. Okay. <laughs> didn't want it. I did. I knew this would happen, and I didn't want it to. Anyway, five minutes, Antonio. Ready, set, go. Okay, so my movie is the instant classic 1989 film Turner and Hooch, starring Tom Hanks as Scott Turner. Uh, he's a small town police detective who's getting ready to move on to bigger and better things in the big city, but days before he's supposed to move to the new big city. His best friend, well, not necessarily his best friend, but his friend who lives down on the docks with his giant slobbery out of control dog hooch lives. Uh, his friend dies because he stumbles upon some suspicious activity that uh, is at a, happening at a nearby business. Um, but hooch does not have the opportunity to save him. And unfortunately, the friend dies. Uh, the next day, Tom Hanks is investigating this crime. And he's the only one who thinks that there's any value to Hooch. Everyone else just wants to get rid of Hooch. But he believes that Hooch could be a material witness in solving this crime. So you already have something amazing like, holy crap, a dog is going to solve a crime because they value that this dog could actually have something interesting to do. Uh, this movie is fantastic because it actually gives something that a lot of dog movies don't do. It gives this dog an emotional and character arc that you do not see in a lot of films i mean this dog wears its emotions on its face you can see it in its eyes and this is all non-cgi by the way uh the you, you it's it's sad it's angry it has shame it gets happy and like it, it proves valuable to tom hanks's character and like yeah this dog can help solve crimes and we see throughout the movie that tom hanks is this very fastidious and like neat freak and needs to have everything under control and order and hooch is the complete opposite you know wild crazy dog and tom hanks learns through hooch that you know like okay i need to kind of let things go and kind of also this is the dog that i need to work with i can't expect the dog to work with me which is another amazing thing because it validates the facts that dogs have emotions and you can't just dismiss a dog with emotions um how much time do I have? You have three minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, this also is a, like one of the first few films that showcase the facts that Tom Hanks can be a dramatic actor. Uh, he had just done a bunch of comedies in the 80s, like, you know, Money Pit and Volunteers and the classic Big. But this is the first one that really be like, okay, he's got some good dramatic chops as well. You get a few more of these comedy drama mixes um, after this with like League of Their Own and Sleep in Seattle before he goes like full drama and like... Uh, Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. So this is like one of these great bridge movies that shows like, hey, Tom Hanks, you're a really good actor. We're going to put you in more things. So this movie also contributed to Toy Story. Yes. <laughs> There's the bridge. <laughs> Take it to the bridge. <laughs> um, 
I think this is one of the few movies too that, and then spoiler alert, there are too many movies that feature dogs that kill off the dog for a cheap emotional moment in the movie. And there, this is one of the few movies that yes, the dog dies, but there is a reason for this dog dying. You know, this dog has its own emotional journey from being this crazy out of control dog to kind of being like, okay, I can work with this other person who isn't my former owner and saves Tom Hanks life in the end. The dog's death means so much because Tom Hanks in turn is like emotionally devastated by everything that happened. You know, he's grown out of his shell of being this neat freak to being like, okay, I really care for this animal that, you know, this dog destroyed his house and his car (laughs) in the beginning of the movie. And he just has this arc of like, okay, I can change. I can be something else. And this dog is the one that got me there. Um, And, I think the last thing I want to say about this film, and I'll forfeit the rest of my time after that, uh, this movie has Reginald Vell Johnson as a cop. And anytime Reginald <laughs> Vell Johnson is a cop, is an instant classic. We're talking Family Matters, we're talking Die Hard, we're talking <laughs> Ghostbusters where he plays the prison guard. So Reginald Vell Johnson is a cop, instant classic. You have 55 seconds. No, it's okay. I, What's should... the lore behind <laughs> There is no lore. That's what's great. This is a movie that treats a dog like a dog. You know, dogs don't need to have any gimmick. He's just a dog. Uh, He is crazy and out of control. He's just being a dog. They do that. I love it. What kind of dog is Hooch again? Uh, Hooch is a uh, Bordeaux, also known as a French Mastiff. Oh, they're so cool. Also cousins of the St. Bernard. I didn't know that, so don't look yeah. at me like I'm trying to cater to the judge here. Anyway. No, I like these uh, factual interstitials. These are pretty neat. <laughs> I have to say that for one of the things that actually is very enjoyable in this movie, you did not reference it one bit. Uh-oh. The Hold slight on. homoeroticism between Tom Hanks and the dog when he's trying to give him a bath in his underwear. That's weird! And then they end up tossing on his bed, and and that's when they really Should start we, to why bond. Why you gotta make it... It's, this is that's nice. homoeroticism? <laughs> between a man and a dog. I mean, I will say you get to see a great moment where Tom Hanks eats a dog biscuit because he wants to be like, hey, what's so good about oh, these yeah. things? Tom Hanks and his underwear, They man. really... Mm. He actually right? very good in that blue tidy. It's not. They're, they're, like, they're black blue, tidy but the five, yeah, minutes, black is, tidy the five minutes is up. <laughs> Isn't that, is it? Yeah. yeah. To tear yeah. him down? No, no. The five <laughs> minutes, that was you, fast. you said his good. You you were part of oh. the good parts, I guess. All right. I got um, someone on my side. Yeah. Well, All right. Tear not, it down. <laughs> it is a movie about a dog. No, I didn't but, say go yet. Oh, ooh, <laughs> I you did. I love this. No. Points Ready. off on Beethoven. Set. Go. She said, go, you can go now. Does anyone else want to start? No, go for it. I keep starting. You were ready to go. I just really want to win this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So did I. I do love this movie, but it is a co-star situation. It is a Turner and Hooch. It is not exclusively about the dog again. And the dog does fulfill a lot of stereotypes of just destroying his life or everyone's fear of having a dog and... It's kind of weird, and it's always a weird message of, like, you just need to accept that this dog is going to destroy your life, and you need to adjust to for the dog. Like, I find that ass- very realistic, though. It is. But it's also I not just, true. Just, they do. Because you <laughs> see the dog... Guys, I'm just trying to say the message of the movie. You see the dog has, like, a terrible upbringing with this guy who lives on the docks. The guy gives him beer for crying out loud. And, the and dog doesn't bathe him. him. And, no, he does, but that's all the he knew, so that's all he happy. knows how to react like. I would say my biggest thing with this movie is that it, it was gets in the way of people getting dogs. Because I know a lot of people who have seen this, this way back in the 90s, but I knew people who had watched this movie, specifically a friend of mine who grew up behind my house, who would, we watched this movie, they never got a dog because this scared their dad off of getting dogs. What? It like it's really? too destructive of an animal. Well, because uh. you get, you get, you, the only thing you remember from these are like the trailer bites with, with the dogs. And if you're kind of already kind of apprehensive about getting a dog, that could happen where it does taint your yeah. view of dogs like, even though you if you watch the rest of the movie you know it you get what's going on like but. between this one and another one on the table we'll get to later i like that the other two movies including the shaggy dog do a great job of showing how great dogs can be and only if your dad is a dog well, yeah. <laughs> i see nothing wrong with this <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be sweet Dude, my movie shows how amazing and beautiful a dog can be I hear you guys talking about your movies, but not yeah. mine. Well, movie. that's uh, so, but well, your movie, like your movie itself, is a decent movie. Like it's not a bad movie. I just don't think it's a great dog movie. Like it's a great Tom Hanks. It's movie. It's a great like, buddy cop movie. It is yeah. a great buddy cop. That has it's, a yes. dog in it. And it's yes. I mean, there's so many the other terrible other buddy cop, cop movies like Sea Spot Run or K9, and this movie is clearly far better than all that. Yeah, yeah but like it, it's just because it's a 
decent like kind of mystery movie but like the mystery of the movie is like making tom hanks figure out how the only witness of a crime was a dog and how to get him to make him help him solve the crime like that's it's an interesting plot device but it's not like if i want to watch a movie about a awesome dog or something cool or fun with a dog i wouldn't go turner and hooch like i watch that one if i want to watch a cool tom hanks movie and watch him play opposite of a dog and see how good of an actor tom hanks can be because his co-star is a dog but i don't that's see awesome. how that's bad for and there's the also movie. kind of this thing with, with comedies about dogs where i don't know if, it, if you guys have already mentioned this but like it kind of paints them in this negative light and there's kind of like this joke at the expense of the dog more or less like look what this dog is doing invading on our turf and it could be there's some realism to that, Wait. but there's also kind of a negative feeling that you're supposed so, to emote from that. Does this movie explore the humanity of dogs or does it treat them as like com- comedic fodder? Like answer that question. This Both. seems to be the question. I, I think this movie does a very good job using a dog as comedic fodder without really ex- like because there is an emotional arc to it. I'll give it that much, but it just it never really paid off for me. It, like the reason, the reason that I watched Turner Hooch is for the funny parts of the dog acting out, and like, oh look, yeah. the dog locked him out of his apartment. How funny! And it's like that's not like if I watch a dog movie, I want to watch it about how awesome dogs can be, and this one's more of like what a pain in the ass a yeah. dog. And it, it, and the dog is very much in service of Tom Hanks. He's servicing Tom Hanks's needs, uh, and then he helps Tom Hanks find a mate at the end. And there's something to be said about when you're trying to play off Tom Hanks. It's like Tom Hanks is the star of everything that he's in. Like even, you know, with the great Tim Allen and Toy Story, it's still the Tom Hanks show. Bullshit. <laughs> you just lost. Okay. <laughs> I just okay. <laughs> Wow. Well, I hear a lot of you guys saying like, oh, this is <laughs> the movie you show lose? people. Why did just Because Buzz Lightyear is the real hero of Toy Story and Woody's just an insecure prick. <laughs> All right. I hear you guys saying, like, this is a movie you show people not to, you know, get a dog and dissuade them from getting a dog. But I think it's I think you're seeing it just from the beginning. Like, yeah, it's because he's destroying everything. I think that's a lot of what misconceptions people have is that dogs just destroy everything. And this movie shows you like, well, no, that's not true. A dog just needs to know, you know, it it doesn't have to just be that kind of an animal. I agree with you in outside of the movie, but I don't think the movie yeah, does a great movie, job showing that The movie just says that, that you turn. need to get rid of all your nice stuff. <laughs> just accept you need to get rid of your nice things. Or Especially me. at the end when he gets a fat, like, what, four or five new hooches, and they're just running Wait, everywhere. there's puppies? There are puppies, because before he died, he has a He babies. got to have sex. Yes. The dog got to have sex before he died. There's it's a baby hooch at the very end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I'm sorry that I yelled at you, Brian. So okay. Buzz Lightyear is a very sensitive topic for me, and it's why I hate Toy Story three. That was a, that was a surprisingly quick reaction too. I was yeah. taken aback. Well, I've already lost, so no, I don't. <laughs> you declared I just meant it. you lost this argument, not it's the a, not the battle. Okay. As the judge, oh, no. the yeah, Shaggy so Dog is still in the running because it might have given us both Toy Story and Iron Man. <laughs> you know, it definitely I gave just, us Iron Man. Toy Story existed in the early '90s. Who's going next? Okay give us toy story but it's part of it who yeah antonio pick who's next uh i'm gonna go with beethoven 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 Beethoven. oh if you say it one more time it summons the same bernard damn it hi guys what'd i miss oh my god it's tim allen (laughs) no everything is better where the drugs at (laughs) all right five minutes chewy show me what you've got go now (laughs) Go now? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys. This is a battle about dog movies. And my movie is about the dog. It's about Beethoven. Beethoven has the most agency out of all your films. Beethoven is the first thing we almost see. Beethoven gets to choose his owner. There's a girl who tries to adopt him. He didn't like her, so he peed on her. And she put her back. And then he just (laughs) kind of walks into this family's house and goes, this is where I live now. And that's the way it was. Beethoven also gets to choose his own name. Like they're doing the hat thing and they're like, no, no, no. And then Beethoven barks Beethoven going, I want to be this. And they listen. This dog has the most agency. <laughs> you follow him around the town because he, he knows how to get out of his enclosure. He's very smart. He's not just a part of this family. He kind of owns the family and he owns this town. He walks around. <laughs> Everyone knows who Beethoven is. No one questions that there's a giant St. Bernard just rocking around. People give him food. He just goes up to the window and they're like, oh, don't worry. I'll bring you the donut right now, Beethoven. Sorry for making you wait. 
And then Beethoven brings that food to his own little buddy in the alley who he's hanging out with. He knows how to take care of his buds. Beethoven, like seriously, this is a movie about the dog the entire time. And then he helps bring down some like just comedically, comedically cartoony over the top villains. Cause the villain of this movie is a local vet who for some reason is contract contracted by the government to test out new ammunition to find out how much they explode heads. He wants to explode dog heads, I guess. What? And then he has You just lost. It never happens because Beethoven stops it. Um and you have Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt playing two goons. They're not even henchmen. They're literally goons. They're so over the top. They 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 capture these dogs and then they don't really know what they're doing. And they have them in these cages and they bring them to the evil lair and whatever. And <laughs> those are the villains of this movie. But then there's also another subplot of uh, the dad trying to expand his business with David Duchovny. David Duchovny's in this movie, guys. Sexy Note, David Duchovny. sex addict? <laughs> well, with that face and that body. I mean. <laughs> but, He's got a weird looking penis. <laughs> I haven't seen his penis. <laughs> Why did it's you a, see his penis? It's in a movie. <laughs> it's real lumpy looking. Uh, but Beethoven doesn't like the deal because his owner's not looking at the contract. He's just too excited to sign it. So Beethoven wraps his leash around the cha- the t- chairs and the table and runs off, literally pulling these people away from his family, going, these are bad people. Agency, guys. Dog's got agency and uh, can think for himself. How much more time do I got? You have a minute 45. All right. Um... <laughs> Uh, and this dog just totally, he is the man of the house. I mean, the dad played by, I always forget his name. Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin, <laughs> who's married to Bonnie Hunt. And, uh, you know, he, he wants to think he's the man of the house, but he lost that the moment Beethoven came in. Because Beethoven, when he's walking around the town, visits the kids at school because he cares about these kids. He cares about their upbringing. And he helps the daughter in her dating life where he literally goes up to the boy she likes, goes, here's a stick, here's a stick to the human. And the human grabs the stick, and then he pulls the, the, the human over to the girl to be like, all right, here you go. Like, he serves up a boyfriend on a platter for her. <laughs> and then, later on, the little brother, played by Christopher Castile. Oh, you're going to bring getting, him up? He's getting, he's getting bullied. <laughs> and then Beethoven knows... I need to help him get rise above the bullies. So he goes behind the boy. So then the boy thinks he's like the one that's going to like beat the bullies. And the boo- bullies get scared. They're scared of Beethoven. But the boy thinks they're scared of him. So it helps his self-esteem. Beethoven knows psychology, guys. And then <laughs> Beethoven can also sense when the kids are in danger. Because like three doors down at one point when they're at a babysitter's, he can tell that the little girl is going to fall into a pool and Beethoven gets out of his enclosure and saves her life. He doesn't see her. He can maybe smell the water near her or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But Beethoven is a magical dog who protects his family. That's your time. You're done. The water. <laughs> <laughs> the Classic St. Bernard power. <laughs> I mean, I hope you have an alibi because you murdered me many times. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright, guys. Um I kinda wish I were arguing this episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, I go for it. Tear it apart. Tear me down. Okay, so in a on a table where you have both Frank and Weenie and the classic Shaggy Dog, <laughs> this is the most unrealistic movie on the table. Not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it does create some severe problems. <laughs> but the thing that's the biggest like the biggest offense in this movie is that fucking kid. He is the worst actor. He is the dorkiest dork. He drives me up the wall every time he's on screen. Like he makes the movie unwatchable you have one of the most adorable dogs in cinematic history and it's ruined by this fucking kid the movie's not about just... the kid the movie's about the dog oh and you talk about shaggy dog having a shitty family talk about a shitty family these kids suck oh. like the little girl like literally she's the most idiot kid ever she's just walking near a pool and she's like well i guess i'm gonna drown now <laughs> like <laughs> 
But Beethoven <laughs> saves her because the movie's about Beethoven. Beethoven, the robot dog. Like it's never a robot. Every now and then it might be a human the in a dog suit. Does the wait, kid, wait, wait, wait. Does Beethoven doesn't have a real Saint Bernard in it. No, it does. The, it's a it's a real Saint Bernard majority of the time, except when he. But it does saves swap out. For animatronics and for a human in a dog suit, well, which none of the other movies on the table do. Okay, the scene is him dog paddling out of the water to get the girl out of the water, and I'm sorry. Sometimes you can't train a dog to actually. You can do like they literally make dogs that yeah, do you that. You literally yeah. can well, do that. Exactly. This Saint Bernard didn't. So whatever. It's do it kinda, just by instinct. It's actually really funny because then you're watching it and you can tell that it's a human in a dog suit, and the way he's trying to dog paddle is totally ridiculous. So what you're saying is that the dog that they got for this movie is kind of a diva. Ooh. I don't know. Sounds like a bitchy dog. It's a beautiful Get it? dog, though. Get it? It was a boy dog. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were talking about my movie being a bad reason for you know humans to get a dog. Oh, this yeah. movie's far worse. The dog <laughs> destroys the house and no, tells doesn't. Grodin is always complaining. Oh, my God. The dog. He the scene gets where some mud in the house. I didn't know. Some mud? I didn't know. Ben is destroyed. Your, your dog <laughs> ruined a stereo and actually chewed up a couch. My dog just got some slobber and dirt and stuff. I didn't know All agency could be so messy. <laughs> over the entire house. It's a much oh, bigger dog. The scene where like it's in all the trailers, of course, but uh-huh. like when, when he walks into the bedroom and Beethoven's just on the bed, the entire room's already destroyed. And then Beethoven stands up and does the... Yeah. Which Tim Allen no. also does the Shaggy Dog. Uh, <laughs> but like, but it, that's CG'd in your movie, the water coming off of him. Oh, yeah, no, I'll give you, it's real, but it's also just like, what the f- like we'll talk about a bad dog owner like he just he doesn't know what he's doing and like that's the one thing I can say about the rest of the movies on the table the rest of the movies on the table the people are good dog owners your movie is completely con- like Beethoven doesn't need an owner Beethoven what a take- horrible like idea for a dog owner I don't need to take care of this dog you have the idiot kids and then you have the horrible Beethoven dad takes care of himself and then also, Bonnie Hunter just disappears point, he eats a donut he gets, I don't know, it's like a bear claw or something. He yeah, goes, people just give him junk food He all goes the to the like, local I'm bakery saying, and he stands Saint outside. Most Bernards the... have grain sensitivities. It's oh. part of the breed. Technically, he this brings got that show. It thing. was the human in the dog suit when they ate it. So technically, <laughs> or you don't actually dog. see Beethoven eat that bear claw. He brings the bear claw to his buddy in the alley, the Russell Terrier, and he eats oh, the bear Oh, speaking claw. of that Russell Terrier, this movie has legit... Animal cruelty when Stanley Tucci picks no. that Russell Terrier oh, up by yeah. his scruff. I'm watching him like, this is not okay. They're hurting this dog for the movie. But they no, beat up they the really? humans. Yes. The oh. humans die. Yeah, not the no, actors. They don't. Well, not the actors. The actors who picked oh. the poor dog so up by the scruff of neck still happen. And again, to the other point in this movie where you say it's like, it's the main crux of the storyline is animal cruelty, where they're testing out ammunition on dog heads. And you say they didn't happen. Where the fuck did all the other dogs that got kidnapped with Beethoven go? Because no. they're gone. Well, you but they need to test that. it out on a St. Bernard head because their skull's more close to humans. Like, this movie is fucked up. They do have really thick noggins. <laughs> <laughs> this movie also spawned a horrible direct-to-video franchise of seven films. <laughs> Name one good franchise that has multiple direct-to-video films. Um. Airbud. <laughs> And nobody picked Airbud. <laughs> I was so close. But the, <laughs> well, we, we, didn't actually, want, we didn't want this to be easy. Actually, yes, so the movies that I came out of this dunk. movie weren't great, but you know what they did? They helped the economy. <laughs> they helped the economy. <laughs> they, they created jobs. This movie created they jobs. They also made it impossible for me to walk down the street without people going, Beethoven! So your movie inconvenienced the judge. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Whatever. She's really perturbed right now about... That movie's My influence. movie has lasting childhood memories attached to it for an entire generation. And heaps of dead dogs. That <laughs> are not on screen. Oh, Your movie is so bad. They're only implied. <laughs> Where's the gavel? I need to write that. I left it at home. Oh. We Damn always it. do. You keep forgetting it. Yeah. I left it by the door for you. I, I forgot it. Either way. My, you know. Time's actually, up. Time's up. Is it? Time's yeah. up. Time is up. Whatever. <laughs> um, my dog still had the most agency in all these movies. And the most dead dogs. You don't oh, see geez. that. Hey, stop. All right. all right, mom and dad, stop fighting. Held in contempt of Sam's court. <laughs> uh, now I want to show about that. <laughs> Sam's court. <laughs> dun, dun. Nice. Antonio right. and John created a show for the judge, complete with theme music. I'm, I'm still recovering. Give me one second. Okay. You let me know when you're. Wasn't there like a puppy court on Animal Planet or something? There like that? was. Or a dog court, something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Ready. 
All right. Uh, so my film is Frank and Weenie, and it's uh, about a boy and his dog dressed up as a creature feature universal monster film and, and one moment, a kaiju film. Uh, as someone in my life who has, I don't know, like outlived a lot of pets, whether they've left me or I've had to say goodbye, um, I'm, I like that this movie couches its themes of loss and death, kind of in this Tim Burton quirk that kind of makes it palatable, manageable, but also kind of has me address those feelings in kind of a way that, I don't know, as you might say in Pokemon, it's super effective. Uh, <laughs> John's what? hitting all the right buttons right now. <laughs> but I think what the, the true strength of that is in John August's script for this, um, it balances out this Tim Burton quirk that, I don't know, me personally, I've been getting tired of. Like, the modern Tim Burton movies feel like parodies of Tim Burton movies. They kind of start to fold in on, their, on themselves. And I think with this script, it kind of counteracts that in a way. And I think the two scenes for me in particular that kind of showcase this is the scene right after uh, Sparky gets it and the parents are tucking him in and kind of consoling him. And he's like, well, Sparky is in your heart. And he'll be always be there. And um, I've had this feeling before, and I never realized I could tear up a little bit, but he was like, I don't want him in my heart. I want him right here. And I think that moment was really good, but also kind of exemplified owning a pet, owning a dog specifically. And um, it made me think of, there's another scene later too where uh, Sparky realizes, or kind of comes to grips with him being re resurrected from the dead, and he kind of falls asleep on his gravestone. And there's this shot just as it backs out, thunder lightning, he's kind of sad, like somber on his gravestone. And it was a very striking image. And it took me to the scene in Futurama with Fry's dog. Like there's that, they, they kind of, they kind of curl up in that same way. And it's, I don't hear it very much these days for things, but that really hit me. And those two moments really kind of exemplify that this movie puts a lot of focus on what uh, dog ownership means, what it means to own a pet, kind of folding those things together. And I don't know, I'm like, I'm a cat person and you know, it's different. Like with dogs, it's ride or die like this. But with my cats, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss these Peter Baelishes. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but I get the bond. And this movie did it in kind of an interesting way. It kind of like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down sort of way. Um, couching it in a monster movie, I was like, I get it. Like you would go to any cost to bring the dog back. Obviously, you have to get over it. You have to move on and moving on sucks. But this kind of plays out if you don't move on and kind of that lesson. And I really thought that exemplified in a really good way what this is all about. Um, and I think the movie also takes some time to speak about nostalgia in kind of an interesting way because um, the movie's chock full of nostalgia references to older films or older, older horror. And, um, uh, but it, it uses it in a way to kind of indict Victor. Because, I mean, what he's doing is not right. He's trying to forcefully bring back the past and, even though he does miss his dog a lot, he's going against the uh, going against what is supposed to be and bringing the dog back to life. And it's, but it, it's at the same time, I agree with like I'm with Victor the whole way. Like, so what? So what if science is not like? So what if this science can also bring things back to life? Let's do it. I miss my dog, and I find myself agreeing until the very like I find myself on that journey with him because of Sparky, and I think that's kind of the, the biggest strength is Sparky himself is a presence in this movie. Everything kind of reflects him in some weird way. And the way he interacts with the town, he goes out and about and everything, everyone kind of reacts to him. Everything kind of feels like it's a reflection of him in terms of its quirk and its weirdness and all kind of bundled in this cute little ball of bouncy, bouncy flesh. <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to just kind of, as we wrap this up that, uh, Catherine O'Hara did a really good job with her voice work. She plays a couple different roles, and I never remember it until I see the credits, but her gym teacher was hilarious. And she plays the weird girl with the creepy cat. And that's a very accurate cat. Like, I'm a cat owner. That's what they are. They're villains. <laughs> They're little bat villains. And, like, yeah, if my cats did happen, that would happen to them, too. Um, but I think her voice work is great. And Martin Short was also in this as the dad. His voice work was good. Kind of in that, like, I know that voice from somewhere, but Where? Uh, they got Martin Landau to be the character of Mr. R. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name because it's hard to say. But his speech about <laughs> how he wants to teach kids science by ripping, like tearing their heads open and getting inside their brains was just humorous gold. And I think all that 
And that's it. Oh, yep. <clears throat> All right. Five I minutes. I, I thought I wouldn't beat the time. I thought I'd beat the time. Cool. You killed it. Ready? Well, I didn't kill the dog. No. I would never. It's another dead dog movie. Oh. <laughs> All right. Ready? Set. Go. For a review about a movie about a dog on a Battle of the Dogs, you talked about the dog for maybe maybe a minute of your five minutes. Probably less. You mostly talked about everything else in the movie. But that's kind of what the, like, for me, the point of the dog movie is what it is like to it's own a dog. It's about the human? No, it's but the relationship. Uh, I think, I think dogs. dog battle. <laughs> this is not about the humans. It's everyone's relationship to the dog. The dog is the important part. Do dogs exist for humans? I would say we exist for them. And this movie kind of. How? Like, the, the dog teaches him to what move is, on. What does he teach him? To the dog teaches, Does he learn to move on? It's, like, he, I get that he that's keeps like, the dog at the end. Like the the theme of the movie is not moving on. Like it's the theme of the movie is just love in general. Like because he doesn't move on. Nobody. Moves I think on. he. No. I think he gets the, he gets to keep the dog as a reward. But he does at the, the end surrender the dog. <laughs> does this dog have agency of himself? <laughs> yeah, I think so. How? Tell. <laughs> he you the, said he, he went uh, about town. Tell me how he went about town. How did he relate to the entire universe of this movie? I think he shapes the design, the, the that, theme, that's not the... that's not how did he go about town? Tell me how the dog acted. <laughs> he wasn't Tell a drug, me about he wasn't the dog a donut life. pusher. He didn't push donuts on dogs with weak that's stomachs. That's my movie. I'm talking about your movie. Tell yeah. me. What do you what do you want to know? You said he went about town and had a lot of character. Tell me his character. Well, I mean <laughs> <laughs> What did he do? Well, like what does Frank and Weenie's day look like? Not he goes out about the town, Frank, he Sparky. he plays Tell me about Sparky, Sparky go, uh, plays with the neighbor dog, goes out and kind of bothers the mayor and and electrocutes the neighbor dog. And <laughs> real cool dog. <laughs> yeah. um, so we've got one dog poisoning another dog, one dog electrocuting another dog. <laughs> well, you know, it gave her cool uh, hair swirls. Hmm. I mean, my my thing with your movie though is like it, it, it's it's a better like it, it's more of a celebration of Tim Burton than it is or like Tim Burton and like Universal monster films than it is really a celebration of dogs. Like your movie, like the two moments that you specifically brought out as not Tim Burtony, I thought were two of the most Tim Burtony moments in the world. Like in the whole movie, like there, he's such a sap. He's always been a sap. Like that's like he just kind of masks his being a sap like a goth. Like he wears his heart on his sleeve. Like I'm real tough, and it's like no, you're not. You're you're a squishy little guy, um, <laughs> and that's fine. But it's like when when I'm watching the movie about like Frank and Wayne, I want to see Sparky. Like I want to see Sparky about town. I want to see Sparky how he influences everybody. And all they do is just kind of scratch that surface, and they spend the whole time with the people and the people yeah, and how they relate. Not to really their about the dog. Um, the dog is like he's the 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 pebble that starts the avalanche. Like he's the thing that kind of kicks things off and gets them going. But then they kind of leave him behind, and they spend the rest of the time with the people and the kids who are trying to trying to steal his experiment, and the the Igor character or whatever they call him in this one, and they think they call him the, from the original Frankenstein in this one. But they, they they pull in these like wonderful, and don't get me wrong, I think it's a very good movie. They pull in these wonderful things from all these other things in the uh, in the ether, like from other monster movies, from other Tim Burton movies, from other movies that these actors are in. It's also like, political and has political nature. Like there's some really cool stuff in this movie. Unfortunately, I don't think any of that stuff is really frankenly. I don't think a lot of it's Sparky. I think Sparky's just kind of there to be cool and an inciting incident, and then he's just kind of forgotten. Like, and I think that's it's really does a disservice to the dog in the movie. Yeah. Well, and all that cool stuff is done so much better in his original short film yeah. that this movie is based on. He's been trying to make this. Is the movie short film actually about the dog? <clears throat> more so than this, yeah. the full length movie is, but like it's just so much better because it's so much more condensed. It's a, like a half hour short film. It's live action done in black and white with like a real dog and you just get so much more of an interest and in you're invested in it so much more than in this animated sh movie that just i don't know everything's just more about like the slapsticky kind of jokes yeah i, I think that's kind of like my biggest takeaway from it wasn't the dog it was like i love the <clears throat> i love the crazy girl and her cat it ended up being more I about anti-science than anything else because even when they talk about how it's wrong it is for the town to start vilifying the science teacher all the science experiments except for sparky fail like and start attacking the town and there's something to be said with every other movie on the table today my favorite moment in those movies is always about the dog and like every single one of them there's some moment with the dog that's my favorite moment in the movie frank and weenie no like my favorite moments in the movie are with people or with characters like i love it when the science teacher quits like that his entire speech is hysterical and none of that has to do with sparky and i just i feel like with a movie like this sparky should be the star of the show not just kind of the guy in the wings just kind of 
manipulating things. Like you said, you're absolutely right. He does manipulate things. He does kind of shape things. But then that's what we're watching. Time. We're not... All right. So. This is interesting. <laughs> now you need to make a decision. I know. This is tough because John's argument was genuinely beautiful. Um, I Just as a note. Just as like a little PSA, I do think it's really important for people to see the hardships of dog ownership when they watch a movie because I think Antonio can attest when dog ownership looks too good, you get a lot of irresponsible dog owners and then they return them to shelters and it sucks. So I think seeing the hardship is actually really important and I'm glad people brought that up. Um, dog ownership is hard. They do ruin your house and it's worth it um, and it's heartbreaking and you know it will be heartbreaking. Uh, anyway, so that being said. John, your argument was great, but also their arguments tearing you down were very worthwhile, so I have to mull yeah. that over. Chewy. <laughs> Beethoven does have a lot of agency, but I worry what he's doing with that. No St. Bernard should be left unattended for that long. <laughs> he's, he, can, he controls himself. He's his own dog. I do appreciate that Hooch was treated as he was elevated to the point of like being a human and a co-character i think him being the co-star and like having expressions is probably the most important brian (laughs) i chose the best movie (laughs) you chose from a hat (laughs) wait did you really i had no idea what to pick i'm like uh that one I mean, the best thing about this movie is Robert Downey Jr. And right? I can't imagine how hard it was for him to maintain his newfound sobriety on a set with Tim <laughs> Allen. Like, what was he thinking? Um, you did a lot of coke. I did a lot of coke. I've made a huge coke? Mis- no, never mind, never mind. So I've had amazing coke stories. Yeah. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. So, fortunately, I do think Shaggy Dog is out. No way. Yeah. I think as much as it pains me, Beethoven is out. Shh. I'm sorry. What you get for shooting so many dogs in the head. You're right. There's no dog that actually gets shot in my movie. That's all implied. You are inflecting. So I am down to Turner and Hooch and Frank and Weenie, which is kind of like, yeah, that's about that's about right. <laughs> um, but I think their points that Frank and Weenie is more of like a, a catalyst than he is a legitimate character are legit. Mm-hmm. Um. And I do think it is odd that the dog stays at the end. As much as it kills me, and I, I would love an immortal electric dog. Um, he was rotting. Yeah, that that's kind of nasty. I um, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to go with Turner and Hooch. Woo! Honestly, if you didn't, I would have been very upset. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's why there was dead air at the end. I had so it's a hard movie to take yeah. down. That, yeah. Yeah. There is that, too. It's, like, hard, it's hard to express that. I have no complaints about the movie. Yeah, every, when I have to have complaints like, about the movie. This was really good, but... Yeah. This was really good, but... Like, so, Turner. yeah. Turner and Hooch. Easy peasy. I specifically didn't pick Turner and Hooch because I thought Chewie was going to pick it. And I'm like, all right, well, I can't... Well, then I'll just go for something random. And then she didn't go with Turner and Hooch. I'm yeah. surprised more people didn't pick animated movies because... Honestly, I, the I dogs haven't seen that many. I had thought of maybe movies. doing All Dogs Go to Heaven, but I hadn't seen it enough to like really remember it. I was actually also really torn between uh, Homeward Bound <gasps> and also the... White Fang, um, which is a fantastic Homeward film. Bound at the end. White Fang's about when... a wolf, not a dog. Uh, it's a half wolf, half dog. Uh-oh. But still mostly Uh-oh. wolf. Oh, How is half think? mostly? <laughs> Because he lives in the wild. Oh my he goodness, with, Chewy, that's dog racist. Lives, she's, like, <laughs> she's like, one drop and it's a wolf. He lives with Native Americans well, and is okay. later forced to be a dog fighter. They do say All canids are wonderful. But they do say okay. if oh, you man. ever try to own a half wolf dog that you have a host of problems to deal with that are I, way more complex than a normal dog. No, a friend was, of mine had a wolf dog and it was the sweetest animal in the entire world. His name was Bear and he just liked to cuddle. Mm. Was, was it awesome. actually half wolf or was it just a Oh yeah, he had yellow eyes. That... Like he he was full blown. Yellow eyes? That's a f- Yes. I didn't know there was a differential. But yep. yeah, I think like that's mainly the reason why I picked the movie is why I said just like I'm weird when it comes to pets. I've had cats and mostly cats and I've gone through so many animals that like it's like the attachment's weird like what what make what would make me attached to a dog? Not being not a very much a dog person. And the only dog I ever had was a Dalmatian who uh, tried to kill uh, college students walking to and from yeah. colleges, <laughs> and who I ate mean, its own poop and ran away in the winter. College students deserve oh. it. Your dog was in the right. Right, right. Now, now in that wisdom, I'm like, you were a saint. 
I just wanted to choose a movie that was really about a dog and had a happy ending. Yeah. Well, I will there's say, not that many that are really about the dog and have a happy ending. I was originally going to go with Beethoven because it is the movie that my sister and watched endlessly one summer that we used to convince our parents to finally a good get a kid dog. Movie. It is a great kid yeah. movie. I just it's also a John dog. Hughes movie, which is surprising. <laughs> I, I love the original. Oh, but he wrote dog. it under a pseudonym, Edmund Dantes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't talk he about knew how bad traders. it was going to be. Yeah. Ivan Reitman and John Hughes. So. Oof. Uh, <laughs> all right, we should bring this thing to a close. Uh, we can do a quick round of plugs, and then we'll get out of this thing. Uh, be sure to check out ATHpod.com, where you can find all of our articles, you can find all of our episodes, you can find the should-be-now currently episodes of Venture Bros, of Venture Brothers Podcast. Um, and then coming up in about two to three months, we're going to have a lot of big changes and stuff. And I say two to three months as of this recording, it could be tomorrow for all I know when this episode comes out. Um, but we should have a lot of cool stuff coming out and I'm really excited about all of it. Uh, but I'm not going to spoil any of that for you now. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, we, our, our YouTube channel, as always, our, our Spotify playlists, we keep trucking away at those and those are still very awesome. This week's is a little funky, but I don't even say what it is because who knows when this episode comes out. Yeah. I don't know when this episode comes out, but if it does come out in time for you to still see Deadpool at an AMC, you will see Grinch interstitials during the trailers. So check those out. And if you really like dogs and want to follow a delightful St. Bernard, <laughs> mine is on Instagram at Saint underscore L-A-D-D-I. And she is a delight. <laughs> <laughs> She's very cute. She's a goddamn delight. Anything to plug? And I'll just go ahead and plug my company again, Shout Factory. You can find us on shoutfactory.com for all of your pop culture needs. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming out. Thank you for having me. It was great. And I won, which is even better. (laughs) I could be wrong. I'd have to go through my my history, but I believe you're the first guest to have won in a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So congratulations. Thank you. It's It's a big deal. Uh, There's no prize. Uh, no, the prize. <laughs> the prize is having been here. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. And talking dog movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so thank you everybody for listening and bye. bye.